0: going on everybody alex fishbein here of the atlantic files as you guys already know and i just want to say i apologize for the little hiatus uh we have been on here i know it's been a little while since the last episode and a lot of things have happened since the last episode including now we're all in quarantine so um just as a little i guess I mean, some will, might call it treat, some might call it torture, whatever you want to decide it is. Um, I, I'm going to do a little replay of a, of a pretty old episode here. Um, back the... Way back on the day when Sam Hinkie stepped down as the Sixers GM. Um, I just thought it was something fun, you know, while everyone's in quarantine and everyone's looking for some content and everything like that. So uh, make sure you check out the podcast everywhere you get podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, everything. Check out the Basketball Society podcast as well. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter at underscore underscore fish. The podcast on Twitter at Atlantic Files. And my Instagram is at that kid fish as well. And then make sure you subscribe, drop a rating, everything, let people know about the podcast um, and go to the underdog sports podcast network as well. So hope you guys enjoy it. I will be back next week with, you know, some thoughts and everything about everything that has happened since the last episode. But for now enjoy this little throwback replay episode um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for rocking with me and hope you guys enjoy it. I'll see you guys next week. Peace. What is up everybody? This is Alex Fishbein back again with a Atlantic files. That's a little bit earlier than, uh, I would usually do. I usually wait for a full week until doing it, but we had to run an emergency one. We had to get another one out right now because we, have now all found out that Sam Hinkie, former general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers, has stepped down, and all sources point to Brian Colangelo taking his spot starting Monday. Yeah. I- I'm st- honestly still in disbelief. But, as always, we're going to start off with the standings. But this uh, this episode will mostly just be about Sam Hinkie and Brian Colangelo and the Sixers. Um, but for the standings, we got the Toronto Raptors in first at fifty two and twenty five. We have the Boston Celtics in second at forty six and thirty two. We have the New York Knicks in third at thirty one and forty eight. We have the Brooklyn Nets in fourth at twenty one and fifty seven, and the Philadelphia. 76ers in 5th at 10 and 68. Now, before I get into all of this, I just want to say please, please, please head over to uh, iTunes and uh, also to SoundCloud. Follow us on SoundCloud and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you leave a, um, a rating, uh, I mean, leave an honest rating, whatever rating you want to give us. Uh, leave it on there on iTunes. Put a comment in there, and your comment will be featured on the next Friday Rant, which actually is tomorrow. But um, your your review will come up in a picture on the Friday Rant, and I will shout you out on there. So please do that, as well as going to SoundCloud, following us, um, our YouTube also, a great, great, great subscribe on there. Uh, we are the Basketball Society on there again. And we have links to all of that on our website, basketballsocietyonline.com. Links to everything. I'll put some of those links in the show notes on um, on the, the post on basketballsociety.com, uh, basketballsocietyonline.com. And yeah, so there will be all those sorts of links. Please do that. And thank you. I appreciate it. Now... Let's get into the real news right now. Sam Hinkey stepping down. Brian Colangelo set to take his spot. This was reported by Woj and a lot of the local reporters in the Philly area. Um, also different like uh, Mark Spears. Um, I think uh, Mark Stein as well. So there was a lot of people on this report. Hinky uh, wrote a thirteen page resignation letter. Now, do you know how pissed off you gotta be to write a thirteen page letter? Like this man was calculated enough to write a thirteen page letter who wh- where he quoted. A lot of people, like a lot of their philosophies, a lot of their their sayings, everything. He quoted a ton of people in this 13 page resignation later letter. And honestly, if you haven't seen it yet, I really, really recommend that you go look at the resignation letter. It was honestly, I thought it was beautiful. Um, there There was so many things in there that really showed you how he thought it showed you kind of how he functioned and how he worked as a general manager as like pretty much like his whole thought process going into the process (laughs) Um, and it was just it it was it was pretty crazy I mean he was pulling out tons of quotes and everything but we'll, we'll get to that in a second um, the Sixers made an official report on it uh, not too long after the initial reports came out with Woj and everybody saying that their sources told them so and so. The team thanked him for his three years. They they weren't they did not want Hinkie to leave. This whole thing came about because they were going to pretty much put another check on Hinkie's power. It was kind of like say all right say say you're the president say you're you're Obama right now and the congress didn't want him making all the decisions so they so they added a co-president like not even a vice president a co-president so he's on the same level now what they wanted to do was add yet another person on the same level as hinky they had they they got jerry colangelo a little while ago he was supposed to be almost like a babysitter, and now they wanted to bring another GM, which they were looking at uh, former Hawks GM Danny Ferry, and I kind of understand why they didn't go with Danny Ferry because of the whole thing going on. Um, well, not going on anymore, but the whole thing that happened with um, Luol Deng. Uh, that that one probably would have been very controversial, and there would have been a lot of talk about that, even though there is still talk about the Brian Colangelo hiring as well, but that's beside the point. Um, but they, they were trying to get another GM who is now going to be Brian Colangelo to like have co-GM like titles pretty much. Like they, they were going to be on the same level doing the same job. And so they're pretty much just taking more and more power away from Hinky. And, Hankey came into this job. He 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 said if you haven't listened to the Low Post podcast with Hankey as a guest, I also recommend you do that. Um he was saying that when he was coming into this job, he asked more questions than they asked him. He wanted to know, "Okay, what do you guys want? Do you want to just try and build a team really fast and get to as high uh, of a seed as you want? Do you want long-term success? Do you want sustained success? What do you want? And they told him everything, and that is how he developed this whole plan to rip it down and build it from the ground up. This is how the, the entire thing started. He asked the owners, he asked all of them, look, this is not for the faint of heart. This is not for the person that wants to win next season. I'm here to build all of your assets back up after losing all of them, or almost all of them, in the Bynum deal and every other stupid deal from before. We had uh, the, the, the 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 Sixers in the Doug Collins era traded a first rounder for Arnett Moultrie. They Doug Collins wanted to give um uh Kwame Brown like a multi-year like 30-40 million dollar contract Kwame Brown who everyone knows and everyone thinks is one of the biggest draft busts ever And then the Bynum deal happens, which now I'm not going to fault them for the Bynum deal because everyone thought Bynum was going to be a great pickup. They thought it was going to be a great trade. They got a potential franchise player in Bynum. He was young, everything. He had a little bit of problems with his knees, but then that all went downhill. And for that trade, they got rid of their best player Nigadala. They got rid of their two most recent draft picks in Vucevic and Harkless. And they gave up two future, or they gave up a future first rounder as well. So they, they, there's like a lot of the future they gave up all of that to get Bynum, and then that went to crap. So then enter Hinkie. He gets rid of Drew Holiday for Nerland's Noel. He trades, um, you know, uh, they, they draft Alfred Payton and trade them back to the Magic for. Uh, Dario Saric, and their first-round pickback. They got their pick back from that Bynum deal because of Hinkie. And they stockpiled so many other assets from Hinkie that now this was the summer. They the, the whole team has been saying it. This is the summer. This is going to be the big one. This is, what, this is the, the, the time that they're going to go out, be aggressive, and get tons of things done that they want to get done. But with all this stuff going on, and diminishing his power, Henke will not be able to be there to see all of his assets come to fruition. But, like, we, we can't deny the fact that the future of the Sixers franchise is a whole lot better off now than it was before Henke took the job. The future looks, I mean, for lack of a better word, craploads better than it was before. And when you when you go on twitter when you go on facebook when you see different people just absolutely ripping H- hinky and saying like oh he was the worst gm ever a lot of the times those people are not sixers fans a lot of the time those people are the one that saw it from the outside and didn't even bother to dig deep and see what exactly was going on we had guys like Uh, Pablo Torre, like um Zach Lowe, who all have agreed that Hinky really was not exactly a genius, but the guy did have a plan. He had a a master, like a master outline of what was going to happen, and he was a very very smart and calculated person. They all praised him. Even Paulo Torre said, "I would hire if I was looking for a GM right now, I would hire Sam Hinkie." A lot of these guys who have dug deep into this situation, who have looked at every trade that Hinkie made, who have looked at every move that he made, has understood that Hinkie has the dude has not lost a deal. He has not lost a single trade. The the worst thing he might have done was probably not signing back Ish Smith. That's all. And yes, I know this has come up with a lot of losing, but they came out and said, look, this is like a five-year plan. The first three years, we are going to lose. We are going to lose a lot because we have to strip it down and build through the draft and get enough guys or, or enough picks to be able to either package them or to be able to um, have enough chances at a superstar in the draft, whatever it may be, they came out and told everybody, like like Hinky said in his resignation later, that this is not for the faint of heart. This is not for the casual fan that just uh, wants to get in as an eighth seed and, you know, lose in the first round. But, oh, hey, at least we made the playoffs. That's cool and all, but you're not getting anywhere. The ultimate goal is a championship. If your ultimate goal is to just stick in eighth seed and keep losing in the first round, go hire any GM out there and make moves like Billy King did for the Brooklyn Nets. Look how that ended up for them. Obviously, that kind of thing is not... What you want as a fan, as a coach, as a player, as a front office member, as an owner, that's not what you want in this league. The thing that talks in this league is rings. If you talk to anybody about the best team in history, the best player in history, what is the one thing that everyone brings up as a, like, oh, he can't be the best because he doesn't have, yep, rings every single time. So if you want to tell me that, you know, oh Hanky was nowhere near what like uh, the plan was blah blah blah, the man said it was going to be at least 5 years. It was at least a 5-year plan and if you couldn't see that, then you're obviously not looking into it enough. And I'm not even here to just sit like sit here and sing Hanky's praises. The th- like Hanky quitting, I understand that. I I completely understand Hinky wanting to step down after they're going to keep throwing more and more people into his position and diminish his power and diminish his say in the front office. They can sit there and say that, oh, he's got all this say uh, in the moves and he's got all this pull of like what happens. They can, Like the front office and everything, The or I mean the owners can say all they want about that. But everyone knew as soon as Jerry Colangelo came in there that Hinky's days were probably numbered. And we all knew that when he brought DeAntoni in at that time, we were all like, oh, well, I, if Hinky's days are numbered with Jerry Colangelo's hiring, now Brett Brown's days are probably numbered with DeAntoni there. And especially with a guy like Hinky stepping down, the one who hired Brett Brown in the first place, the, I, I'm sitting here and I have no reason to believe that Brett Brown's job is safe. They have come out and said just today that his job is safe, but how can I believe that if they were all saying that uh, Hinky's going to keep continuing with the same power and everything, and then we all find out they're going to hire a second GM to pretty much like overrule all of what Hinky was doing. So, uh, there were a lot of people that said it best on, on Twitter last night as everything was going on. A good GM is only like one of the pieces you need for a successful franchise. A lot of what goes on and a lot of how these moves are made depends on having a good and smart ownership as well. The owners have to be just as involved and just as, um, like, just as thoughtful of what's going on as the good GM has to be. Uh, there, there is a lot of – in the GM job, there's a lot of having to wrangle the owner. There's a lot of having to suck up to them and be buddy-buddy with them so that they're on uh, – that you're in their good graces. And obviously this didn't happen, because even though Hinky had this plan, he outlined this plan, he told them exactly what was going to happen, he told them how he was going to work on it and how the plan was going to eventually work out, they still obviously didn't have enough trust in, in him to keep him as sole GM. And so after that kind of thing happens, what is what is forcing us to believe that the owners think that Brett Brown is doing a good enough job. Uh like I know that I know that the owners said that they didn't they didn't want to fire Hanky, they didn't want to let him go and that I I under I fully understand that Hanky quit. But the owners pretty much forced his hand into quitting. So when you hire another like a, a, a guy who's I, I'm only going to say more qualified just because he's been a GM for longer um, alongside of Hinky. That's pretty much saying, hey, look, we don't trust you with making every move, so we're going to hire another guy in there kind of as a check and balance. And so they kind of did the same thing with D'Antoni and Brett Brown. Now, I know Brett Brown, he has a great attitude about it, and he's like, hey, you know, we love having D'Antoni here. He's a he's a great offensive mind and everything, I admire the attitude that Brett Brown keeps about this team. I I admire the crap out of that because Brett Brown is honestly pretty much positive uh, in, in terms of attitude almost every single day. And I can only imagine how hard that is to stay that positive for a team who right now only has 10 wins. But this whole thing with Hinky is just... Honestly, completely ridiculous. Now let me let me just look at uh, Brian Colangelo a little bit of his resume. Um, he did work for Jerry Colangelo, his dad, in Phoenix for thirteen seasons. He won the Executive of the Year award in two thousand five with the Suns, and he worked or he got the Executive of the Year award in two thousand seven with Toronto. Now he was credited for drafting players like Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire. Uh, he was ridiculed for trading Jason Kidd for Stefan Marbury, but he then flipped Stefan Marbury for cap space that led to signing Steve Nash, Quentin Richardson, and one of their big important reserve players, Stephen Hunter. Now, that 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 job definitely is a positive. That whole thing getting together that Steve Nash D'Antoni Sons team, that is a very big positive. But um, like they even this was the NBA's third biggest turnaround this season. Before they were 29 and 53, and then they got to 62 and 20. But at least they were close to 30 wins at that point. And you know, free agents are like, okay, they're close to 30 wins. Maybe if I come, we can push them up to at least 500. You sign another guy, we're over 500. There's still a lot more work to do for the Sixers. They're they're at 10 and 68 right now. Could finish the season with 10 wins. So the, there's a lot going on there, um, that that's different from that Phoenix Suns team. Now, as I was saying before, I will I will give him his props for that that job in Phoenix. Was some of that Jerry Colangelo's influence? It might have been, but he did a a good enough job there. Um, but to go along with that, there were some bad things as well. Uh, one thing that everybody is talking about now, will probably be talking about for a while, is that he drafted Andrea Bargnani first overall over guys like LaMarcus Aldridge, Rajon Rondo, Kyle Lowry, Paul Millsat, Brandon Roy, um, so that obviously wasn't that great, and then he went on to give Bargnani like a four-year, $50 million deal, also not that great. He traded for a past-his-prime Jermaine O'Neal for a TJ Ford in draft rights to Roy Hibbert. Not that great. He traded for Rudy Gay, and while it made Toronto a little bit better at the time, after he left and they traded Rudy Gay away, the team got a lot better, and look at them now— they have the most wins in franchise history he gave guys like Landry Fields fat contracts there were a lot of things that Brian Colangelo has done that were average or below average so his time in Phoenix it was it was nice his time in Toronto wasn't that great i understand that he won executive of the year in 2007 a lot of that was deal was uh chris Bosch's doing at that time and it was their first time that they uh i think it was the first time in franchise history they won the atlantic division i'm pretty sure uh but there were a lot more average and below average moves to go along with that kind of stuff and my big thing like, I-, I was ranting on Twitter a lot last night and retweeting a, a whole lot of crap about pro-Sam Hinky and not as much Brian Colangelo. Um, my my big quarrel, my big question right now is, what is forcing me to believe that Brian Colangelo could do a better job this summer than Sam Hinky. What is... What, what What is in his resume, what is in his overall resume, like taking the entire thing, not just taking one chunk, what is in his entire resume to make me believe that he can use all of these assets that Hinky gathered in the correct and, like, a good way to make sure this team has sustained success. Now, hey, if, if this team gets to an Eastern Conference Finals one year and then like the second round and then the first round and then we're back to square one again, that's not what the Sixers fans or even just basketball fans in general want. They don't want to see them go to one conference finals and then just kind of fail to reach the finals uh, ever like that Phoenix team did. That Phoenix team did not win a ring. Like that Phoenix team didn't win a championship. Neither did the Toronto team. So what exactly in here is supposed to give me the comfort, is supposed to give me uh, the, the peace of mind that Brian Colangelo can get a very, a very well-done job done. Like, like I, I don't see anything in here that, that will communicate to me that Brian Colangelo can put together a championship-level team. And when this whole thing started, that was the end goal. That was the end game. The end game was a team who could sustain success like a San Antonio Spurs type of team. One that could stay in relevancy and go to finals like every few years and stay that way over like a decade like the San Antonio Spurs and I know I understand that it's not easy to be a team like the San Antonio Spurs if it was easy to be a team like the San Antonio Spurs we would see a lot more teams like the San Antonio Spurs but we do not we see one we see the Spurs now I understand it's not that or it's not that easy but this whole plan in place was to try to be like that. And like Hinky wrote a lot of times in his resignation letter, a lot of the times your way to success is not going to be the norm. It's not going to be the same thing that all the other teams have done. Uh, uh, one little quote in there was, sometimes you have to zig when the others comfortably zag. And it's so true when you listen to any success story almost any success story i should say it is never the same it's never like there's there's no one way scientific formula to be successful in life in basketball in anything there are so many people that have come up on like big fortunes or there's some there's so many people who have Worked diligently at things to become successful. There's never just one way to do it, and Hinky tried to do it a different way of getting there and a different way of building a team for sustained success. So what? I go back to this question: What makes me think Brian Colangelo can continue that and and make it? Like, make this endgame what all the fans and what Hinky thought was going to happen. And, like, the, the fact... Another thing that that really pissed me off about this whole thing um, was the fact that, okay, Hinky quit. Gonna have to find a new GM. Understand that. How much thought went into this other GM coming? I know that they looked at former Hawks GM Danny Ferry... And and Brian Colangelo were those the only two that they looked at? Were those the only two people that that they decided to say, oh maybe these two guys uh, w- would be good for this other GM job? Was that it? Did they not look at any other person? Because after Hinky quitting, it literally took like one hour, and then all of a sudden, bam, we have a new GM. Did, like. Especially after finding how finding out that Hinky quit, why wouldn't you take the time? Like we know this season is the season's over. The season's done. Take the time through the playoffs, whatever, and find the right GM. Don't just say, "Oh, we found this one. We're going with it." How much thought was put into this GM search? How like was Jerry Colangelo just like, "Oh, let's go with my son," and? bam, Brian Colangelo gets another job because his dad helps him out. Is that, is that what happened? The, there was no communication as to what went into this search. And if that's really what happened, then ownership has a lot of explaining to do with to a lot of its fans. A lot of, a lot, I mean, like a lot, a lot of these fans on Twitter were in like outrage in the fact that it's Brian Colangelo that's taking over. Like, a lot of them were, were saying, okay, we understand Hinky quit. You guys were trying to uh, balance out his power with other people for some reason. But to hire Brian Colangelo this this fast, too. Like, why? Why are you doing that? Um, anyway. Anyway. So I, so I don't <laughs> end up sounding like a broken record. There were two like chunks of quotes that I thought were awesome in, uh, in Hinkey's resignation letter. One is, quote, Ask who wants to trade for an in-his-prime Kevin Garnett and 30 hands will go up. Ask who planned for it three or four years in advance and Danny Ainge is nearly alone. Same for Daryl Morey in Houston trading for James Harden. San Antonio's Peter Holt said after signing LaMarcus Aldridge this summer, R.C. Buford came to us with this plan three years ago, four years ago, seriously, and we've worked at it ever since, end quote. A lot of that resignation letter was Hinky talking about to get to a successful point, you need to put all of your planning into the lead up to the success. And that could not be more true. It really couldn't. Anytime you've seen a person that's successful, it's because that they worked tirelessly at the entire process coming up to the part to like the entire process. I mean, like the planning and uh, working at how to set up something and plan out how they can get to that point. A lot of those people have worked tirelessly at that part of the process to get to the end goal, which is success. And this point about Kevin Garnett, about signing LaMarcus Aldridge, about trading for James Harden, that's what the entire goal of stockpiling all of these assets was for. That was for flipping them into a trade like for Kevin Garnett. For flipping them into a trade like James Harden, and yes, a lot of people were like, "Oh, well, there's not, there's no disgruntled superstar right now." Okay, we understand there's no disgruntled superstar, but why does he have to be disgruntled? What if the team, what if the team that he's on wants to rebuild and he's not the the, uh, like um, they they want to get rid of him for more assets th- themselves? Well, that's something you trade for. Something can happen at the blink of an eye where they were ready to pounce on it, and that's where Hinkie got them. Another, uh, the last quote that I want to say from his resignation letter, quote, regardless of the haul that comes out of a May night in New York, the team is likely to see additional lottery pick talent hit the court next season regardless. Two additional first-round picks this year are available to you as well, plus additional draft picks are set to flow in regularly for many years to come, plus the league's best cap position, a bevy of young players, a deep and passionate coaching staff, an innovative management team, a beautiful new practice facility set to open before training camp, in a city with wonderful basketball heritage. You could do worse. End quote. I just want to say, that quote right there, I thought was amazing. It's so true that you could definitely be in a worse position. You could be the Brooklyn Nets right now, whose future looks like it's in shambles, who owes the next like three first-round picks, one of them being a swap to the Boston Celtics. They they do not own their own first-round pick until four years from now. There could be a lot worse going on with this franchise right now, a lot worse. And that's that's really all I gotta say. That's all that's all I gotta say. I'm dropping the mic right there. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Atlantic Files. This was episode 41. Rest in peace, the process. Uh, like I said before, please drop us a rating and review on iTunes. You will be shouted out on Fish's Friday Rant, the new one coming tomorrow. Um, there will be a link for that in the show notes and the, uh, that that is on BasketballSocietyOnline.com. It will be on the front page uh, because it will be a recent post, so that will be on there. Definitely check that out. Uh, follow me on Twitter at ThatKidFish, that's F-I-S-C-H, um, and send me your thoughts on on this whole Sam Hinky firing and everything. I'd like to hear them. Uh, also follow uh, the Basketball Society account, that's at b underscore, and we are on Facebook as well at the Basketball Society, uh, YouTube, um, SoundCloud, Pinterest, everything. We're we're out there everywhere. So thank you guys for listening, and I will see you guys next time. Peace.